On today's episode of the RAG podcast, I was joined by Pete Watson. Pete joined me not so long ago, actually. He's the founder um, of Mint R2R, a rec to rec based in Australia that specialize in helping um, people move to Australia from the UK. Um, and we talked already about Pete's business and his journey. And I really wanted to bring him back on the show because he's been doing a lot of work with Hoxo. He's been helping us introduce our brand to the Australian marketplace, specifically with our Academy product. And having got to know him, he um, got, oh, got to know him a lot more recently. He, he dropped a, a comment in, in one of our calls about the fact that he hasn't drank any alcohol in eight years. Um, and when I probed on it, he told me a little bit, but um, he seemed, it was, it was quite a big thing for him. Um, and I asked if, well, I, I, I pestered him a little bit, but I've asked if, <laughs> if he was prepared to tell us why he doesn't drink and what his experience has been like um, to, to round up our, our human series on the rag. Because I think alcoholism is a, you know, everyone thinks about Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, you know, people that are absolutely, you know, drinking all day, every day as being uh, the only people with problems. But many of us struggle with alcohol, especially in the recruitment industry. It's, it's, a, it's an industry driven by, high performance individuals that, you know, like to go out and socialize and, you know, bill as lunches and clubs and parties and all the things that, that come with the job. Um, maybe not so much in lockdown, but maybe we're, people are drinking at home more now. But the, the point is, I think it's fair to say across our industry, alcohol is quite a big factor in, in a lot of the cultures inside our organizations. And um, I think there's plenty of people out there who are struggling with that and would like to have a break from alcohol, potentially even quit alcohol full time. And speaking to Pete, uh, we got a really, really good understanding of why he quit alcohol. And he told us the story of what it's been like since. And it was incredible. So um, personally, I enjoyed it. I've had a, my own interesting journey with alcohol. I've never, never quit full time, but I've had plenty of breaks in the last five years and I continually do um, because I don't, I prefer my life without it, if I'm honest, but I'm not quite ready to, to give it up full time as yet. Um, so we talk at length for at least an hour on this. I hope this resonates and you know you, you can learn and, and hopefully benefit from this, this story that Pete told us about himself. Without further ado, Pete, welcome back to the RAG podcast. Oh, we're into it. Sorry, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, we're in. We're in. <laughs> what an amateur. Hey, you, you wouldn't think I've got my own podcast show, would you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Like an amateur. You, uh, you're, you're meant to be a pro, mate, but you, uh, you're showing you're, you're an amateur. Um, well, welcome back. Oh, it's yeah. been, uh, come on. It's, when did we, we, we shot? We did the first one. Was it about June, May, June time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jury, you know, you, you were doing your back-to-back -back, uh, podcasts, uh, speaking to everybody about their COVID experience and uh, mm, the daily stuff. Yeah. I stopped doing the daily in June. I, I, I literally was losing the plot. I was like, I'm going, I'm already gray. I'm, I'm going to be bald as well. if I carry on at this. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I had a break from that. Um, well, look, it's good to have you back on. How, uh, how's life been for you in the last few weeks? Good, mate. Good. So yeah, I, when I spoke to you, we were, we were just going into the, you know, the dark days of lockdown 2.0 here in Melbourne and, uh, and we've done it. We've grounded out. We've survived and we are definitely coming out the other end. And um, numbers are ridiculously low. Now, the numbers that we're experiencing are probably the same as you get in like Rochdale or something. It's too, just, not just even that. Uh, not Rochdale, in like one office. So, like, yeah, one, yeah. Of mates, one of my mates got seven of them in a business of nine got it last week. So, like, really? you're talking about the whole estate Victoria like that. We've had seven in total in the whole of Victoria over the last three days. 
Yeah, that's not. And that, and that is confirmed cases, nothing else. They're just people that have tested yeah. positive. Wow. Correct. That is incredible. Um, My two deaths. Interestingly, though, um, so obviously you're doing a lot of work with us now, Pete, part of Hoxo Media mm. in Australia and, and helping us take the, the business over there, which has been amazing. Um, but it's funny, like the people that you've introduced me to through the academy, um, we, we got a lot of them in Melbourne, but there's also Sydney and Brisbane and, and Perth. And it is incredible how different the experience is in diff- each state. Like one of the ladies in, uh, mm. in, in Anita in Perth is like, there's events going on, like thousands of people meeting up in events in Perth. Um, yeah. Absolutely no COVID worry at all. Then you've got Sydney and Brisbane that are kind of in the middle. And then you guys okay. are, yeah, that's. So I've been in a different country. It really is. It really is, and the rest of the country has nothing but pity for us. I bet, I bet. But I imagine their cases, you're going to have to keep those borders locked because if you guys come back out after yeah. all that time and then someone from Brisbane, Sydney or whatever, uh, whatever comes in and, and starts infecting, like that would defeat the whole object, wouldn't it? Without a doubt. There was, a, there was a, an aeroplane came in from, because uh, we've now got a, a bubble with New Zealand, and they were bringing flights in from New Zealand, and I think 50-plus people from that flight from New Zealand somehow without being challenged managed to get on a bus or a car or what a train whatever to, to to Melbourne and suddenly we've got 50 plus people from New Zealand in Melbourne and they weren't even checked anywhere and it's that easy that easy that sounds it sounds crazy for you but like you know in the UK we've got flights landing every minute of every day with no checks <laughs> so it's uh, there's no testing capability um so it's a different world mate it's a different world well look um we're not really, the plan for today wasn't really to talk about COVID. Um, we, as I said, you've been doing a lot of work with us. So we've, I've got to know you really well over the last few months, which has been, been great fun. And, um, you know, we've shared some stories offline. And you told me something not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, that I, uh, I've, really, I've really thought about. And, I, and I've, I, I'm, I'm really pleased you said yes, because as soon as I heard you say it, I was like, that, even though I'm moving away from the podcast being all about the personal stories, we're not moving away. I want to, I want to, I want to bring some new things to the show. Um, when I found out about this, what you told me, I was like, that's something I want to talk about. I'd love to bring to the market and just air because I think it's a, it's a really interesting or really relevant topic. So I'm just going to go out and say it. Like you, you mentioned you gave up alcohol eight years ago. So you've not drinking, drank a single drop for eight years, which is, firstly, it's an incredible achievement, I think, for anyone to, to, um, to do that, unless, you know, unless they've never drank. Um, but I'd love to find out. You, I still don't know the story. I, don't, I know you, you, anyone who gives up alcohol for that long, clearly there's, there's some form of story behind it. So um, mm. tell us what, where, what, what, what's going on. So get, let's go backward. Like what, what, was your, what was your drinking like growing up? Were you, was, it, was, it, was it a big yeah. part of your life? Uh, and, look, and, and that's where it starts, right? That's where it starts. So, mm. I, was, so I was raised in West Cumbria, which is pretty, you know, pretty, pretty working class, industrial corner of mm. the world yeah and, and and all we do in cumbria is um play rugby fight drink and chase women and i wasn't very good at any of them <laughs> including drinking but that doesn't stop us doing it from from an early age so yeah, yeah. i think we were yeah I, try, I was trying to think about this today i think we were we first ventured into pubs and this is not unique to cumbria this this happens all over the all over the world yeah, yeah. But we we first ventured into pubs with, uh, pubs when we were like 13 and 14 getting the big lads to buy us drinks and then we were regulars in the pubs from 15 
Um, and by the time you're 16, 17 years old, you're in the pubs, you know, four or five nights a week. And it's, it's an incredibly unhealthy way to start life. Adult you life, know, yeah. No, we, we all have, you know, a lot of us have sports in our life. And I, I, I was playing rugby, but my rugby career didn't exactly take off. And then it just gets substituted with, with unfortunately, for, for me and a lot of people that I hung out with, with, with drinking. Um, and then you go to university and the, the, the drinking habit is well and truly Where did you go to uni? Into, into who you are. And um, sorry, mate. Where'd you go to uni? Uh, Bolton. Really? Uh, it was a. <laughs> it wasn't even a university when I was there, mate. It was a. It was an institute of higher education. Ah, okay. Uh, but it's now a university. I'm proud to say. And um, and then yeah, no, I don't need to tell you how how hard um, students drink. And so you know, you, suddenly you've been drinking solidly uh, for for ten ten years. Um, you get to your early twenties. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I I think I said this on one a recent show with with Amma was. Because I met Amma, my business partner, at uni in the first week. I came home back to Manchester at Christmas. So I left Sheff- I went to Sheffield, which isn't far, but it's far enough that you're away from home. But it's close enough. That, to be fair, everyone from my college and was in Sheffield pretty much. Um, so I recognized those people. Went out, we went out all the time. I came back and I, must, I reckon I must have put on two stone in mm. three months. So from 11 stone, which was like my like natural weight as an 18 year old that I'd never for two years at college had not fluctuated probably came back about 13 stone by Christmas and everyone was like the fuck have you done like you look like a different person and I was like I'd not know it was so gradual because you were drinking all the time and everyone was probably putting weight on at the same pace <laughs> I came back home with my mates hadn't even been to uni and I was like oh god <laughs> and, you, and, you, and, you, and you think about the calories that are in a pint of yeah. lager yeah, and and you and you go out and have you know seven, eight, nine, ten pints in, in one night, and, do and then you end up with a takeaway, and you end up with a takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Takeaway, yeah. So so yeah, so that, I suppose that was the, the start of my my drinking career. But mm. I suppose I recognised early on that in my gang of lads, uh, in my gang of mates, um, I was, if I'm honest, I was always the one who got drunk the earliest in the evening. Um, yeah, I was always the one who, you know, maybe had to bail out earlier in the evening because I just, I just couldn't hold it the same as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So my, my ability to drink was just rubbish. Um, but back then, like when you're, you're a teenager in your early 20s, you almost wear that as a badge of honor. Um, you, know, you wake up the following morning, you can't remember what you did, and you make say to you, oh, my God, Pete, did you see you last night? And it's, it's, it's a bit of banter, it's a bit of fun. And... You know, you, you, yeah, you, I, I remember almost wearing it as a badge of honour, um, as I did with my, my, my mates who, who got drunk. So you didn't really, you, you, never, you never put it in the box of being a problem. No. Um, because it was just part of life. And, and what else were you going to do? You know, the, the, the concept and the thought of, of not drinking was just, was just ludicrous. Um, but then do that for, for many, many, many years. And eventually, um, it, it, you know, it stops being fun. And uh, and it becomes a bit tiresome, and and every time every time it happens, every time you, you do drink, you do try and keep it with everybody else, um, you wake up full of remorse, shame, regret. Well, when we go into like recruitment life, what age were you when you got into recruitment again? Mid twenties. Yeah. So what was and you were in Manchester, were you? Was that oh. where you? And again, you know the S three group. Yeah. And uh, you know I you you were, you were actively encouraged. 
to go out and get smashed on a on a Thursday night, and uh, and I did. You know, I, I couldn't believe um, I couldn't believe that I was in a I was working for a company and in an industry that condoned and encouraged that kind of behaviour. You know, we we were going on a Thursday night and we were expected to go hard, um, but then we were told that if we oh, weren't yeah. at our desk at eight thirty in the morning, we were in trouble. So you'd walk into the office on Friday morning. And there'd be feet sticking out from underneath the desk where people had slept under their desks because they were terrified <laughs> of they were terrified of losing their jobs by being by not being at their desks. So again, you know, the the habit and then the lifestyle just continues and continues. Well, I, went, and continues. I went from being a school teacher to a recruiter, so I noticed mm-hmm. a major difference. So I, I I was probably my fittest and healthiest as a school. T- I was a PE teacher. I went from being a student where I drank all the bloody time to be a teacher in a school that was just outside the city center of Sheffield. Um, no pubs nearby. Like it was on a, you know, schools are usually on housing estates. It was in the middle of this like tough housing estate. I don't think, you know, maybe at Christmas and then at the summer, like end of term, maybe you might go for a few beers, like literally two beers or one beer and drive home. Cause everyone drives as teachers. So there was no social life at all. Um, I was 23 24 I was drink I was I was playing a lot of serious football but I was drinking on Saturday nights every week I'd go out and get absolutely smashed every Saturday like without fail but it was still it didn't affect me that much because it was once a week and my diet was really regimented in school and I was doing all the exercise I was in good shape I felt good um, but then I got into recruitment in Melbourne and there was a few major differences was one my 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 diet like regiment because you're in a school canteen we used to get given as a t- p teacher we used to get given meals because we used to do a lot of extracurricular stuff i used to eat at the exact same times the same sort of food every single day as a t- as a as a recruiter in melbourne you've got all collins street has got so many options like i was out you know eating sushi one day then it'd be sandwiches and it'd be slices of pizza and and i was drinking full fat coffee milk like i'd never drank coffee and tea really in in as a teacher so i'm having three or four of them a day that's all calories and then yeah, probably two, three nights a week, we'd go for a few beers. Yeah. Um, Thursdays, you'd get smashed. Fridays, we'd get smashed. Saturdays, we'd get smashed. And uh, it was back to being like a semi-student again, I felt. And, yeah. and again, I, I, on a Friday in the Rialto in, in, in Randstad, it was, I mean, they used to just, you know, the beers would, would flow at about four o'clock and, and yeah. you'd all have a big wrap-up and it'd be, you know, have a drink. Teachers never did that. You had to pay, pay for your own. So... It, it, I felt that as strange. It, was, it wasn't that sort of culture where they'd stay in your desk, sleep at your desk type. Ransad wasn't like that. But, but it was definitely, <laughs> yeah, I just did, you know, we just went out ourselves. But um, so, but yeah, and, look, and, you're, and you're young, right? You're hmm. young and, and, and you can get it, you, you think you can get away with it. You think your body can handle it. You think your mind can handle it. And, and again, the, the, the concept of, of not drinking is just strange. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Until it gets to a point where, you have to start acknowledging that you know, this, 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 this thing in your life, this very, very regular presence in your life is not good for you. On well, can you rem- when can you remember like the first time or is it you any memories of clocking? Yeah, this is getting a bit out of hand or I'm not enjoying this anymore as much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, it's, it, it's a journey, right? I mean, yeah, I was, you know, drinking from the age of, of like I say, 15 through to the age of, of 39. And obviously in this, in this chat here today, we can't, we can't break all that down. It'd be the most boring podcast ever, but you go through, <laughs> you, you, you go on a, you go on a, on a journey and um, people start saying things 
Um, you start, it's no longer a badge of honor. Um, you, 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 you start to acknowledge and, and recognize that there's no fun in it anymore. Where, where's that, your life at this, at this point? Where's your life? Like paint the picture for us. Like what's going on in oh, your life? I mean, all right. So, so, so to fast, fast forward to, to, to Melbourne where I am now. So I moved to Melbourne 13 years ago uh, to essentially start a family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you start a family and, and that's a whole new chapter. You know, you've got responsibilities. Um, and, but, you know, still, still drinking and I was still rubbish at it. And I still hated it, but it was still regular in my life. And, you know, the, 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 the sense of shame and regret and remorse every time I drank, every time the hangover was, um, was stopping you being the person that you wanted to be and the parent that you wanted to be. Um, and it just starts, it starts getting to the point where you, you have to, you have to deal with it. You have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I think if something in your life is, is a massive negative, I mean, look, so, so there's, there's, there's different connotations and different kind of categories of what a drink problem is. Right. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to try and categorize what mine was versus what somebody else might be, might have. But if something in my life is a problem for me, then it's a drink problem mm. and I'm happy to wear that. And um, eventually, you know, I, I tried the whole drinking in moderation. I, I, tried, I tried various things, but ultimately it is just um, being sick of living with shame and remorse. So what do you, when you say shame and remorse, like give me an example, what do you mean? So you'd, you'd go out, what, Thursday night, Friday night, what would happen? And when you'd wake up like tell us a bit more about that uh well i, I mean I, I, I can tell you i can tell you what the the straw was that broke the donkey's back mm-hmm. um this was eight years ago so mm-hmm. i i i'd um obviously I, I work in vector rec and lots of uk recruiters come to australia right yeah. and um i used to go over i used to i used to do loads of advertising for uk recruiters who want to come live in australia and then i'd fly to the uk and i'd meet them and um yeah it was going to say my family but it was to try and pick up some candidates as well i remember eight years ago um i, I really pushed hard a real uh, campaign to get to, to meet as many uk recruiters as i could and i remember i'd organized 23 candidate meetings in london and manchester over the space of a week okay. and uh, i was going to meet them all i was going to blow them away with my market knowledge and I was going to place them all into Australia. It was going to be, it was going to be a beautiful thing. And, um, I suppose I, I got to England, you know, I was, uh, I was a young dad, you know, parental pressures and all the rest of it. Uh, I, I'll be honest, just getting to, getting to England, getting to London. I just, I just cut loose and, uh, put over the lads and, um, and hit it, hit it quite hard. And subsequently, I spent most of that week either very, very hungover or very, very drunk. And I just started cancelling all those meetings, uh, all those 23 candidates. They all got a half-assed, pathetic text message from me, blaming man flu, yes. saying, I caught something on the, on the plane. I can't make it. I can't meet you. I'm so sorry. I remember one particular guy, he said, but, but you've come all the way from Australia to meet me. Oh, no, you come all the way from Australia to meet us. Um, yeah. He booked a day off work 
he was going to come in from Wimbledon to meet me. It was quite a big deal for him because he really, really wanted to move to Australia. And then he got a text message from me saying, yeah, sorry, mate, I've got man flu. I thought I picked it up on the plane. And I'm lying in a hotel room, hungover. I can barely speak. That's why I'm texting him. And, um, and the whole week was wasted. And I, and I got back on the plane, just devastated with myself. I'm interrupting this podcast to give you another update from our sponsor, Audro. The team at Audro have launched another feature in summer 2020, and it's going to be a game changer. This is going to massively change the way the recruitment agency market operates globally for the future. They've called it Audro Producer. This platform sits alongside the company's award-winning video interview opportunity um, and gives you, the recruiter, the ability to create engaging, eye-catching video content ready to share in a matter of minutes. So you can record or upload a video, um, and then you can add banners, overlays, images, subtitles, logos, so that you can create these eye-catching videos that are built for LinkedIn. So whether you're interviewing, whether you're doing sales messaging, or you're just trying to put out valuable content on, online, then Odro is no longer just a video interview platform. It's also a content creation platform for recruiters. Get in touch with Odro today to see how you can implement this into your recruitment agency ASAP. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. The whole week was wasted. And I, and I got back on the plane, just devastated with myself. Um, really, not only had I let, let myself down, but I'd let my family down. I'd let all those candidates down. Um, I didn't place any of those candidates. It was an absolutely wasted effort. And did you enjoy, just sorry to stop you, but did you enjoy the time you were drunk drinking? Like, are you, were you like loving life when you were out? Was it that, was it that good for you that when you were out? No, no, no. Because going back to what I said earlier, I was never very good at drinking. Mm. So I, I, you know, I remember meeting my mates in Covent Garden and you, you enjoy the first few hours and then I'm drunk mm. and I'm, and I was never a good drunk. Um, I'm, I'm not life and soul of the party. Um, I'm just, I just, I just go quiet. Really? So you don't get aggressive <laughs> so, or there's no like... No, no. no there's no, no aggressive, just boring. I mean, I'm a bit like, you know, I, I've, I've always been the guy that... I, I see, I don't get that drunk that quick. I've always been quite good at holding it, but I also go more quiet when I'm drunk. So mm. I've always been loud when I'm sober, like, you know, telling stories, like this guy at the table who's telling, like doing daft voices and all that. And then it's funny as the night goes on, everyone else starts to raise the voice and my level goes down. Yeah. And then I'm the guy actually, the, the guy who's got the keys, like people say, give Sean the keys. If you want to make sure you get home, give them to Sean. He'll make sure you get home kind of thing. I can kind of stabilize my night quite well. I know my limit. I've always known where to stop, but, yeah. um, it is funny. I'm the same. I don't. I just don't get louder. I get quieter. But that, but that, but that's the thing with me. I was. I was also the guy who thought. I thought I was okay. I'm not drunk. I'm fine. I'm. I'm. I'm at that lovely level. I'll keep drinking. I'll keep pushing it, yeah. and then I will just go. I will just go. And um, so I got back from that 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 business trip, um, just devastated with myself. Um, but then I realised the realisation was. I, I hadn't been in control, not only of that that week in, in London and Manchester. Um, I'd known how I'd known how important it was. I'd known how much effort I put into it to organising it. You know, trying to get twenty three people to meet you in the space of a week from the other side of the world is is, is no mean feat. And um, I couldn't control it. I didn't have the willpower to 
to, to, to treat it with the respect that it deserved. So I had to conclude and had to start coming to terms with the fact that it was, you know, it was, it was starting to become a problem and it was starting to become beyond my control. Um, and essentially you're, you're also, you know, you, 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 you're, you're letting your family down. You're letting yourself down and you're letting your family down. So, so when, you, when you got back, what, what, what did you do? Like, how did you make the decision? I remember, I remember, so I came back via Dubai airport. I remember, remember I actually got it because I was so hungover. But the only thing that's going to make me feel better is a, is a pint. So I had a, I had a pint of Heineken at uh, Dubai airport. And I remember finishing it and putting it down. I remember just looking at this pint of lager, this empty pint of lager, looking at it and going, that's it. That's the last beer I'll ever have. And um, then got back and thought, shit, now I've got to stop drinking. Um, and and Melbourne, like, Aussies are, it's quite a boozy culture as well, isn't it? It's not much different. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, weather's out, have a beer. It's, it's barbecue beer. Like the, the culture's similar, if not just as, just as boozy as the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so then I came back and um, it was just, it was just a white, a white knuckle ride. It was, it was ultimately, it was just good old fashioned willpower. Um, and I, I think at the time I said, right, that's it. I'm never going to drink again because I'd gone through years of, yeah, trying to drink in moderation. Had you ever done a, had you ever done like a month's break or anything before that? Yeah, I would do that. I would do that with, with, with reasonable success. Um, but for me, it was, uh, I suppose if I was categorized myself, I was a binge drinker. Um, I would just give myself, I would, I would, I would drink if I was in a great mood. I would drink if I was in a bad mood. I would drink if I was sleep deprived because of the kids. I would, I would drink if the kids had a great night's sleep, you know, in celebration. I would, yeah. And it would just be, and it would just be too much. Were you drinking at home? Yeah. Yeah. Drinking at home. Uh, and again, even, even in a, in a confined kind of controlled environment, I still occasionally, you know, managed to drink too much. And, um, and yeah, just when, whenever I went into a situation thinking, I'm not going to drink that much, um, I'm going to keep a lid on it, I would fail to do so. And um, so, yeah, everybody's got, everybody's got different opinions and, and I suppose images of, of what somebody with a drink problem looks like. You know, I, you know you, I, I wasn't drinking out of bottles of whiskey in a brown paper bag in the park, but my drinking was damaging my life, my family life, affecting my life, my family life, my business, my health, um, my sanity, because uh, it was... Um, the, the mental side is, is, is some... I mean, the physical is quite visible, right? You put... You, you, when you booze a lot, you'll always have a bit more weight on your life. It's just, just going to happen. It's calories, yeah. dead calories. But the mental side that no one sees, I, I can empathize so much that, you know, when you go out and you drink, you, it can take days. It can take a couple of days to depending on how much you've had, you, know, you can go out on a Saturday and you could still feel shit by Tuesday. Oh, but, 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 but the other part of it is the effect on your, your self-respect and your self-confidence. Mm. Because you think to yourself, if I, if I, can't, get, if I can't control this, um, does that make me weak? Um, and you know, the, the conversations that you have are, just, are just, just ludicrous. And then you think, well, if I can't control it, does that mean I'm, I'm an alcoholic? Um, oh my God, if, if, if I'm, if, if I'm an alcoholic, you know, you know, I don't deserve to be a parent and you know, all, all these crazy things that go through your mind. Um, 
and ultimately it just came down to wisdom wisdom is that the right word i just i just got older and i just knew that it's very simply if there's a negative in your life you simply have to remove it a final interruption to today's episode to introduce vincere Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. It's very simply, if there's a negative in your life, you simply have to remove it. Whatever method you use is entirely up to you. And this isn't a evangelical come by ya moment because I am, um, I look at people who drink and I look at people who drink in moderation and I look at people who are happy drunks and I look at people who, who enjoy drinking. Um, and I'm not, I'm not envious of them. I'm not jealous of them, but I, I, but I, you know, I hold no grudge with them. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah. But that wasn't me. No, that wasn't me. It wasn't alcohol in my life was a negative for many, many years. Um, and I haven't drank for eight years. So and tell me a bit more about that then. So what was it really? What was, cause that's the thing. I think loads of people would say I'd love to quit, but the reality is one, could I do it? willpower not sure Two, social situations you know like every time you go to a restaurant a bar you know an event a wedding a party like alcohol is ingrained in in western society culture to you know you celebrate everything with with alcohol like you know if someone's birthday get pissed someone's had a baby get pissed someone's you know baptized get pissed someone else dies let's go and get pissed like it is literally the way we are bred to celebrate or commiserate anything um mm. And I think the biggest challenge for people is, is that, is, you know, I've, I've done it. I had a break. In, so in 2015, I, had a, I wasn't anywhere near the point that you got to, clearly, because I've not given up entirely. But I definitely, I've never drank the same since 2015. I, had a, I got on a train. So it was my brother's 30th, I think. Is it his 30th? Yeah, it would have been. Uh, no, it's, oh, 31st, it's something around his 30th, anyway. And I... Um, I jumped on a train to Manchester, went and had a night out, and I remember getting up at about 7 a.m., having the shittest sleep ever, 
I had to come back to London. It was a Sunday morning and it was early. Like I was like, I've had such a crap sleep. I'm just going to go. So I got the train from Manchester to London and at Wilmslow, which is two stops, this family got on the train and they were Spanish, I think. And this woman got on with her husband and two young children and they were full of life, right? They were, they were literally ripping up baguettes and putting meat into it and salad. And I kept hearing them talk about Londres, which must be London. And they were just like full of life. And I am sat in this seat, like against the window, like just like hugging the window, feeling empty. I've not eaten. I felt like sweaty. I was bloated. And mentally, my mind is just like, these people are looking at me that they're watching. What am I doing? And, and I, I said to myself that day, I was like, I need, a, I need and I, I, I Googled it alcohol free life and all. And I found this guy called James Swanick who um, does this 30 day no alcohol. He's an Aussie guy. He lives in, lived in London, lived in America sorry, at the time. Um, and he did this 30 day no alcohol challenge, which I didn't actually do officially with him, but I just said, I'm going to do it. So I did a 32 day break back in 2015. That felt like such a massive achievement. Um, mm. And then I've, ever since then I've been on and off. I always have breaks. I drink, like most people meet me and they're like, are you drinking at the minute or not? And I'll be like, nah, mm. not right now. Okay. Like, yeah. like at the minute I got back from Ibiza four weeks ago, I've not had a drink since. I'm not going to till Christmas, yeah. I said at least. So I'm kind of playing with, I can see myself going to where you are, but I don't think yeah. I'm, I don't think I'm there yet. There's nothing, but I've never, it's just been, I, I don't like the weight, the weight I put on. I don't actually yeah. like the feeling of being pissed. I don't enjoy it that much. I prefer to be switched on and, and alert. But I love the social side of drinking. I love being in a pub with my mates. I love the camaraderie, the collect. Like, do you yeah. know when you're buying each yeah. other rounds? There's something in that. 100%. And, and, and like, even yesterday, I met with my mate and I, I had a 0% beer. I had a few of them. And that isn't, that, that's the game changer. Really? That's, that's my saving grace. I, mm. love, I love the taste of beer. I love the camaraderie. And when you buy a 0%, they look the same. People instantly just feel like you're drinking. They don't, whereas if you're sat with a glass of water or a lemonade, I can see that yeah. people are like, are you really, you're going to drink that all day? Kind of attitude. Yeah. What, so what, yeah. what's your, how do you do it? So, so, so look, it's interesting because it? it's a game of two halves. I mean, hmm. the first half is your, is your life of drinking. You've done that. You've failed <laughs> or it wasn't successful. Then you move on to the second half and that's the second half of being, te- I mean, I don't, really, I don't even call myself anything. I don't call myself teetotal. Uh, I don't call myself sober. I don't actually have a name for what it is that I am. Let's just call me teetotal. Yeah. So the second half is teetotal. And that's a journey as well, because if you'd, if you'd asked me to do this podcast, I know we didn't know each other back then, but if you'd asked me to do this podcast six years ago, uh, two years into my sobriety, I would have denied that I knew what you were talking about. I'm like, what, what, mate, what are you asking me that for? I don't know, I, I drink, you know, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm one of the boys. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be awkward. I'd be ashamed. Um, if you asked me to do it two years ago, uh, six years into my sobriety, I'd still be, oh, look, it's, it's, it's nobody's business. It's just my thing. Like, I don't really like talking about it. Still a little bit awkward, still a bit embarrassed about it. If you ask me to talk about it now, um, I'm ridiculously proud of, of, I don't even call it an achievement. I just call it a decision. I think it's I'm an achievement. So... I think it's an achievement. I think the fact, it's not just, it's the fact that you felt your life was not moving where you wanted it to be and you made a conscious change and stuck at it. That's achievement in my book. Yeah, look, it was, it was, just, it was just necessary. It, mm. just, it just had, it had to be done because what I was... Sorry, you just said that two years in, you would have denied it. So how did you get around social life at that point? What were you doing? 
I struggled. I was I was rubbish. Uh, if I if I if I went to you know, dinner parties or, or, or bars, um, I'd be I'd be I'd be awkward. I'd be making excuses to leave early. I was just I was rubbish. I was probably worse sober two years in than I would be if I was if I was drinking. I was but what, what did you say to people? You like I'm driving, or did you always have an excuse why yeah, you wouldn't yeah, have a beer? I'd, I'd make excuses. I would I would never own it. I would yeah. never own it. Um, but if somebody talks to me now about, you know, if, I, if I'm with a stranger and they ask me if you want a beer, I'll say no, I'll have a Coke. And, uh, and if they say why, I'll, I'll, I'll quite comfortably now say, well, don't drink. Mm. Um, and you will be amazed that, um, I don't know, I, I, I think I can only remember two people and that they were actually back in London years ago who said, stupid things in response to that most people most people will go all right really cool they will either brush it off and not really give a toss or what is always really interesting is that they they show an interest so you open up and you talk about it and you can just see them thinking Fuck, i need to, i need to understand this because this is something that's occurred to me this is something yeah, that yeah. i've, I've put a mirror about. you put in a mirror up to people aren't you a little bit and think absolutely make it see i i don't think i've had when I'm not drinking, again, I did 75 days in, um, in March till mid-June, right? So that's, what, 11 weeks I didn't drink. Obviously, we're in lockdown. But I've, I've, whenever I've done it, I don't think the people that you meet that are strangers, clients and stuff, I don't think they're the problem. It's the people you've known for longer. And maybe you don't have as much of that in us. But for me, if I go back to London where my mates that I landed in London with, there was like about seven of us that always went out. We've got like our own WhatsApp group and stuff. They're, they're used to it now. But the first time I, I said, they were like, what? Like, and then it was constantly, come on, go on, go on, go on, have one, have one, have one, have one. And like, they, a couple of times they bought me a drink at the row when I didn't want it. And they put it down and they'd be like, go on, you've got to have it. I don't fucking want it. So I didn't drink yeah. it. But I was uh, one of them at school. I was the kid who said no to cigarettes, like never touched them. And I was comfortable saying, nah. So when it comes to when, I'm, when I commit to not drinking, I, I've got no shame in saying I'm not drinking tonight. But... I've never committed to saying I don't drink. That's something I've never said because I've not got to that point yet. My brother stopped drinking in December. Well, New Year's Eve, he had a pint of Guinness and then he said he's doing, he's doing one year no beer. He's, is this, there's another thing going out there called one year no beer. He's doing that. Um, and he's, he looks great. He comes across better. Like he's, you know, it's been a funny year, probably a good year not to drink because of the, what's going on. That, you know, it keeps your yeah. headspace. Um, yeah. But... So, but, but, but if, 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 I, if I had to go back to, to Cumbria and, yeah. and walk into a pub where all my old mates are and say that, yeah, I, I, I know what they, I know, I suspect I know what they would say and it wouldn't be very nice. And, and that, but that'd be fine, you know. Yeah. Five years ago, I probably couldn't have handled it. I'd just run out. So did you, but, did you then massively like rip your social life apart then? You didn't have much of a social life for those years? I, I, no, I probably, I probably hid for a few years. Um, but when, then I, when I started to realize that people don't actually give a shit. No. Um, and, and, and yeah, that was something I needed. I needed to stop caring what people, quite frankly, what people thought. But because of where I'm from, you know, the thought of a bloke not drinking, it's just, it's, it's kind of alien and it's silly. And I'm embarrassed to even say that out loud. But you, you do, you know, you go through a period thinking, well, what will people think? What, you know, will my life be boring? Um, and yeah, do you know what? Maybe my life is boring. But, but, I'm, but I'm healthy and I'm a good parent. What is the I'm difference? So what are the differences that you would say? Because I think there's people listening to this now going, all right, Pete, we, we know you've stopped. Like, 
what's so good about it? Like, yeah. Tell us what, what, what's the difference in your life? Um, well, there's positive. There's actually positives and there's negatives. To be honest with you, there's 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 the health benefits. I mean, I I, I exercise every day. My 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 mind is clear. I'm, I'm present for my children. I I work hard. You know, nothing nothing gets in the way. All, all of the problems that used to come with alcohol, they would just hinder and cloud everything, and that's all gone. Hmm. It's all gone. It's it's like it's like magic dust. But then at the same time. You have to deal with life on life's terms. Yeah, you know, you can't escape. I have a, there's no escape. I actually have no escape, and that, and again, that's fine because that's the, that's the life I've chosen. It's pros and cons. It's pluses and negatives. But if I have a, a bad day at work, I can't I can't take myself off to the pub and get drunk. It's a choice I've made. So you you have to sit in the moment. You could argue that that's a negative, but it's probably a positive because you wake up in the morning, the problem's still there but you don't have a massive, horrible hangover and you haven't made a dick of yourself and you haven't argued with the people. Well, I, the- I went out once in, for my birthday in August and got pretty, pretty smashed. And uh, I've, the, 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 I hadn't drank, like I say, I'd not drank since March, since lockdown. I'd, I'd had a couple of beers in mid-June when I finished my 75 days. And I'd had, a, again, sporadic beers and not been drunk, nowhere near drunk. And then I got levered in August, like absolutely like till 3 a.m. drunk. And the Saturday fear I had, the, the anxiety I had Saturday and Sunday, because it was the Friday night we went out, was incredible. Like it was just literally mind-blowing how bad I felt. And mm. I then went to Ibiza for five weeks and I drank. I didn't drink, I didn't get pissed between my birthday and Ibiza. That was only like the week after. But I had beer a lot in Ibiza, like because the weather's hot. Um, and it's cold and it tastes great. I was having like two or three beers most days, I think. Um, and when you do that for five weeks, like I came back feeling bloated. I felt sluggish. My brain wasn't as good. Um, if you listen back to my podcast a few weeks ago, you might say, yeah, he wasn't actually on form. I don't know. But I, I didn't feel great. I came back to the UK and I had to isolate anyway. So I isolated for two weeks and I said, I'm not drinking for, till the end of October, which is nearly there now. And I've not touched it. And now I've said till Christmas, I'm going to, I'm not going to drink this year. So mm-hmm. till, till the end of the year. Um, but I, I do feel like I'm going to end up where you are. I don't know if I'm there yet, but but I do think zero percent beer is my savior. Like that's the thing that like I love it. I absolutely love it. Have you tried it, or do you not touch it? Or no, it's, 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 see that that to me would feel. This is going to sound nuts, right? But that to me would sound like I was cheating, breaking the rules, um, tempting fate. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't need to. I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that. My, 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 uh, my poison is lemon, lime, and bitters. Yeah, yeah. and you go out, and you go out, and you have a night out, and you, and you, you end up drinking eight pints of lemon, lime, and bitters. <laughs> mate, mate, it ain't, it ain't good. It ain't good. Yeah. But, my, but my, my, my motivation to do this. You now, when you, when you asked me to do this, and um, I, I, I know I haven't really counted, but I know of at least half a dozen people that I've spoken to in the last. 12 to 18 months, that when you have this conversation with them, they, they, they confide, they say, oh man, I would love to stop drinking. Um, you know, how do you do it? What's involved? What are the benefits? So I know that there's people out there who, who, who want to do it. And this is not me preaching. It's not no. me being all kumbaya, evangelical. You know, teetotal is the only way to go because for some people drinking is awesome and fair play to them. But there are plenty of people out there, particularly during COVID, who will be 
probably drinking more than they want to and and realizing at this particular point in history that drinking for them isn't working anymore and i suppose yeah in my in my own humble way i would like to say to them that um there is life after after alcohol your life doesn't end when you stop drinking the positives far away the negatives mm. if you're if, if you want it if you're at a certain stage of life you know if you're ready to stop drinking and then you stop drinking it's fucking brilliant it's 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 there's, there's four or five things in my life that i'm i'm very proud of and stopping drinking is number two yeah yeah i, I, I can see i think i i mean i, I can see it in your face the way you're saying it but I, I can i can see it from my own experience um i always feel like when i when I eventually have a drink after my breaks, I feel guilty instantly. Like I instantly feel like mm. you crap. You shouldn't have done. Like it's like there's a. But then once you get into it again for a few weeks, you get back sucked into the. And and what what I think I don't like about drinking is the lack of control. I, most most of us have in when and how we drink. So for example, we, you know, going to a bar after work where you were even planning on when you might have a gym session in the morning. You've planned yeah. and then, and someone's like have a beer and you're like. Oh, but I was getting to a point where I couldn't say no in those situations. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll have one. And then he'd have three and then you wouldn't want, I, mean, I wouldn't even be pissed, but you wouldn't want to go gym at 7am and you'd probably have a yeah. slightly worse breakfast than you would have. And you know, you'd eat more sugary shit the next day. And it, it just is a spiral that, um, I think it's amazing that you're prepared to talk about it. Leisha, um, who I had on recently as well, who talked about how her husband came out as, as gay during their relationship, which was just incredible story and and you know she's so strong for saying it she she said she stopped drinking as well a couple of years ago and that must be a wreck to wreck thing maybe, maybe wreck yeah thing. you get that much abuse you guys that you uh the you stresses need. of the job maybe yeah well <laughs> i think but i do think i mean look i think recruiters we're natural typically we're natural communicators we're bubbly we're outgoing and we're networkers and when you network you drink you party you meet that's kind of, and, and like you said, a lot of the cultures in these bigger recruitment companies is go out, network with your teams, go meet your clients. Like they push you out the door. So it's, it's so common for recruiters to be drinking a few nights a week and probably going, is this healthy? Especially when you get to a certain age in part of your life. Um, so, but, 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 but the people, but the, sorry to interrupt, but the people that I know who are at the end of their tether with it are not those people. It's not the people who are out entertaining and partying and having fun. It's, it's the people in their 30s and 40s mm. who are drinking at home. Yeah. And they're like, what, what am I doing? What, why do I have to drink that bottle of red on a Wednesday night? You know, just say no, but they can't say no. They're drinking on Thursday morning. They're full of remorse. And those are the people who are yeah. getting yeah, closer to doing what I did. Yeah, that's, that's true. That is true. See, I've never been that guy. I've never drank at home, really. Like the odd beer, but like... I'd never sit there and drink a bottle of wine or, or even a spirit or anything like that. So I can't eat. I, I actually struggle to empathize with that, but I imagine, yeah, that, that would hurt. Like that would hurt a lot if you, if you're not even going out and not, not even socializing and then just. Yes. And when you wake up in the morning and you think, why the hell did I do that? Why the hell did I not have the control to leave that bottle in the cupboard? That's when it becomes, you know, the, the, the balance is tipping. Mm. Um, and those are the people, those are the people, right? If anybody's watching this and there's anybody in Australia who, who, who don't want to go down there, because when you decide to stop drinking yeah, and you contemplate the avenues to, to the solution, they're all quite daunting, right? I don't know, it was one of you, you got, you got therapy, you got get bloody hypnotized, you can go to AA, whatever it is, you know, it's all quite daunting and some of it's quite expensive. 
what a lot of people might not have is just a bloke that they can ring up who won't judge them, um, who won't charge them, um, who won't preach to them. Um, that's me. If you know what, be good. This, do you know what you should do, Pete? And I'd be, love to be a part. Is maybe even think about setting up a WhatsApp group or something for people that would, would want to share. Like only for like invite only people that talk to you. Because I think, one, I could imagine your time would get rinsed if you offered everyone the opportunity to talk to you. That, but this could grow into something like, you know, this could grow into something of, of recruiters, recruitment owners, leaders, people that, that are at that point in their life where they, they, you know, they want to be able to talk freely in, 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 in some kind of network or group. So um, I, I, I would I would love to think that some kind of um, mo- mo- movement could start out, but I, I suspect it wouldn't. This is a this is a very if I'm honest. If if if, I, if I'm using myself as a case study, this is such a, a private, uh, secretive world, uh, and people only really come out of it when they're when they're ready and yeah. when they run out of options. But you I know, do that, think the that, world is changing. I think. We're getting yeah, more. We're getting more acceptable. It's getting. It's more acceptable to you know to drink alcohol-free beers, and it's more acceptable to eat. You know, to be not eating meat, and that's another thing. I stopped eating meat twelve weeks ago for mm. no other, no plan, no like. You know, I didn't. I watched David Attenborough's documentary, and I'm like, thank God, I've, I'm looking at this now. Um, Men kids watch it. It's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? But yeah. I got to a point. It was two weeks before Ibiza, and me and my brother were like. I eat meat every meal, like literally lunch and dinner every time I have meat. So I was like, I'm going to have a little break. I've never done it ever. Like I said, I'm going to do two weeks before I go to Spain. And then I got to two weeks and I, I'm eating fish. Um, but I was like, I'm going to do it in Spain. So I didn't eat in Spain. And then I've got back and I've still not done it. So I'm 12 weeks. I'm not saying I'm a vegetarian, but yeah. I've got no interest in that at the minute. Like I've not had any chicken or any. And you, you start to learn that you can live a, an interesting life by, but I mean, if I, if I met someone and they were like, so tell me about yourself. And I'm like, yeah, so I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, alcohol-free vegetarian right now. They'd be like, what? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and even my head's like, what? Is that me really? Um, but I do think the substitutes for meat, the substitutes for alcohol, um, the younger generations are more aware as well of, of the benefits yeah. of, you know, the, the, the negatives of these things. Like when I was 15, like you were growing up, I, no one was saying don't drink. It was get to the pub, and it was. It's, look, it, it, it's the same as you, know, you look at you look at. You know, we're we're all talking about mental health and mental health and recruitment with Ronda D'Ambrosio, mm. and removing that stigma. And and young people are now happy to talk about mental health and acknowledge it and remove the stigma. And it's the same with yeah. with alcohol. Young people are, are accepting or, or basically saying it's you know it's it's cool to not get drunk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when I was you know, up, it was cool to get drunk. Exactly. I mean, I, I would say, different to you, I would say try, if I was going to give anyone advice, I would say try the, the, you know, the Heineken Zero or, you know, there's one called Brooklyn Special Effects, which is just unbelievable. And mm. I've, I've got a couple in the fridge and I, I've got this thing with football. I used to like just having a beer whilst watching the game. And by having one of them, I feel like I'm still, there's that kind of placebo effect that I still get that. But, and, I, and, I, and they taste great, and, but you, don't, you can have four or five of them and you can drive and you can wake up feeling great. But mate, that's you. Mm. that's you that's that that works for you but that advice for me is bordering on being bad advice why what would you would you think that would lead to you then having a real beer or something what would what would happen no i just yeah you i don't know for, for me i've drawn a line in the sand mm. um and i yeah I, i've just drawn a line in the sand and and i and i, and I will not cross that line 
Well, I'm talking about people that are maybe not where you are. They're more where I am. They're thinking totally. about stepping into this world. I yeah. personally feel like by, 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 by drinking alcohol-free beers, even in a bar, it feels less intimidating. It's less daunting. You can hold something that feels like a beer. You feel like you're in the group, but you're going to wake up feeling great tomorrow. You've got no cloud. You've got no, none of the negatives. And actually, calorie-wise, are about 20, 30% of the calories of a beer. It, it's a good transition in, I think, that maybe wasn't as readily available. I, I, I love the fact that it exists. Yeah. I love the fact that it's on the market. Mm. Uh, and it'll, it will get a lot of people out of a lot of shit. You know, because people will, a lot of people will be able to have, you know, a night out on those and, and not get in trouble and not wake up on the yeah. over and not do silly things. Well, mate, just, I'd, um, yeah, I, do, I just want to say to, if, if, if there's anybody uh, watching this and they, they want to, to, to talk to somebody without judgment uh, and obviously in, in confidence, uh, who might have some answers, not all the answers, but some answers, then uh, anybody in Australia... No, stick, I'll, I'll stick my number below and, and please feel what free. What about to in out. the UK? What about if they're in the UK? You're not going to talk to them? You better <laughs> say piss off. Or if they're in a different country? Hey, I'd have to talk to them at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, well we're when, doing when it I'm now. Getting my much needed we're, sleep. we're doing it now. We can, you know, you might get someone who wants to speak to you late at night. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll, work, we'll work it out. But look, Pete, thank you so much, mate. Appreciate it. And, and I really hope anyone listening who does reach out to you and, and equally message me and I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch with Pete. Um, I'll work out a time zone for you if you're uh, if he's if he's not coming back to you. Um, but this is these are big issues, mate, and these are really serious things that you know. Even if one person feels, as a result of listening to this, that they make some conscious change, <clears throat> whether it's reducing alcohol, cutting alcohol, whatever, then uh, it can only be a good thing. So thanks, and uh, it, it right. takes a lot of bravery. And, and, and bringing it back to the recruitment industry, which is you know, which, which is kind of what, what this is all about, it, it, it it's something that we don't. Like mental health and recruitment, you know, it's something that we don't deal with responsibly in our industry. We're no. still an industry where, you know, reward is, you know, get, exactly. getting it hard. lunch, go and get pissed. Like, there needs to be, there does need to be a bit of a revamp on the, on the way you celebrate, for sure. Yeah, that, that, that needs to change in time. I think with COVID and the, the you know, your dis- distributed workforce and people getting used to Zoom and things like that, I think there's more chance of that going that way. But um, we will see next year. We'll see how the world pans out. We'll but, um, Pete, thanks so much for sharing it, mate. And uh, I hope people oh, yeah. enjoyed this, this show. Again, as always, I ask you, um, please, 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 please share the show with someone you think might need to hear this. It's not, um, we don't charge you to listen, but we do, we do want this show to get around the world. So um, give... Uh, send it via WhatsApp, text, email, whatever. If you know another recruiter, recruitment owner you think would benefit from Pete's story, then please do get it out there. Um, I'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, with another, another episode. In the meantime, stay safe, and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for so that involves 
strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.